This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Reverberations. Produced by Alan Meany. Episode 4. Paul Casey. Um, how did I start off in poetry? That's, that's a, a long... It's a question with a long answer. Um, I worked in the film industry for years before, before uh, poetry really came to me. Um, my mum my wrote poetry uh, when I was younger. And so, and she encouraged me to read poets. So I would have been influenced by by her initially. But I didn't really take much of an interest myself until my early twenties, when I was travelling. And uh, and it was on a on a very long bus ride, a sixty-hour bus ride across Canada, when my first poems came to me, you know, out of out of the blue. And uh, so I found that very curious because at the time I'd been busking songs, which were all covers, so I never wrote my own songs, but here I was writing original words, you know, lines, and uh, so from then it sort of gradually crept in, in you know. Uh, the first poems, obviously, uh, <coughs> they're, they're, they're the most embarrassing. Uh, they were all about, uh, about freedom and um, getting out into the world, but flying as, as well, because I'd been paragliding at the time. Um, and they were very literal and um, you know, almost pretty cliched, really, I suppose. And then slowly um, they became more political. And um, about 10 years later, so about 15 years ago, I suppose, my first um, sort of major poems came out. Um, and they were, they were very, very politically charged. Yeah. And then after that, I kind of calmed down a bit and sort of writing about the rest of the world, you know, um, and just thinking a little out of the box, feeling out of the box too. So um, I've ended up being a very eclectic writer. You know, I, I can write about anything, I suppose. I'd find inspiration in anything if you gave me enough time, you know, with it. So, yeah, now, now I'm, I'm happy to write about anything. So, I mean, a commission, commission will give me a reason to, to focus and, and write about about whatever, even a suggestion of something is enough for me to to enter into that into that world, into that into that space that you need to be in to be able to listen and perceive um, your kind of inner narrative, I suppose. You know, if I didn't have a deadline, the poem generally will remain unfinished. Yeah, unless um, it strikes me like lightning, and that does happen. Um, and when that happens, you know, uh, it's a very beautiful thing. And usually those are much shorter poems nowadays for me. Um, a commissioned poem would, would end up being a longer piece. Um, but I don't have a lot of time to write now, so I, I write throughout the year in fragments and in a notebook, and then in the summer I, I take some time to, to collect all that together and see what's worth moving on with and see what's... Um, what wants to actually grow, you know. So, so in the in the incubation chamber, I have probably you know upwards of five or six hundred unfinished pieces. Um, but uh, when I go through that every every summer, some of those pieces usually bubble up to the top and go, 
I'd like to, I'd like to breathe, and I'd like, I want to, to go further. They're the only ones I, I thought were, you know, were poets. Uh, Yeats and, and a lot of the romantics I would have read, and Wordsworth, Keats, and Shelley. Shelley had a big impact on me. Um, and then uh, years later, I, I just discovered that, that poetry was a living thing. And, um, and then it very much became, you know, a mix of world poetry, I, I believe. I think, um, African oral traditions uh, influenced me when I was working out in South Africa, certainly. Um, and what uh, what I found very curious was the, the link between the African oral traditions and the Irish oral traditions. Uh, today, uh, they have um, Izimbongi in South Africa, who are praised poets, and every chief, local chieftain, will have his personal poet. Uh, in the same way that, that the, the Irish Gaelic order uh, had uh, a system of poets that paralleled the political system. So they were very, very much political instruments and very important. Um, but in the, in the Western paradigm, you know, we've, we've kind of lost that connection, I suppose, where the poet, poet is kind of a stabilizing factor between what's going on inside the minds and hearts of, of the leaders and uh, those of the, the general uh, public, you know, or the masses. So that, that really, that really, uh, I found very fascinating. You know. I would say that, uh, to try not to read too much into it, I think that, that every poem will have something for everyone, whether it's two words together that make somebody think about something, or whether it's a single line that makes someone remember or, or feel, feel something, or remember a feeling about something that they, they themselves hadn't maybe yet come to understand properly. Um, but not to put too much pressure on the poem, or on the self to understand the poem. Uh, you know, I think often a poet won't even understand what, what they've written, but, but they somehow know that, that it's a poem and they might spend their own, the rest of their own lives trying to understand it. So, when we put too much pressure on ourselves to understand, um, this is a tidal river, and when, when, when it's lower, uh, one can actually walk almost halfway out into the center of the river, uh, over these stones over here. And, and this poem, actually, I started writing halfway out in the river, sitting on a rock over there, which is now covered in water. And, uh, the sound intensifies the, the, with the lower the, the lower the tide is because there are more stones and rocks exposed, and so the water is running over a lot more, um, you know, uh, vegetation and stones, and, and, and so it becomes a lot more musical, I suppose. Um, and of course, we have the wildlife, all the birds, the small little birds, 
and the trees, the, the leaves and the trees, the wind through those. Um, you can't really hear it now, but uh, the bride flows uh, into the lead, just over there to your left. And um, if the rivers are full, uh, then, then you can hear it, that kind of gushing through there as well. But depending on the time of day, it could be very quiet here or very loud. There is sounds of machinery coming from across the river, which is echoing, from echoing over here. I don't know if you're hearing that. So you do hear a small amount of um, civilization from here. You know, I like to, to disappear into nature, to, um, to slow down, I think. You know, the, the longer I'm in the city, um, the more, the more I speed up, my, my mind speeds up, and I start missing things, small things. Um, so I come out to places like this to to slow that all down for me. Um, but I'm not completely isolated in nature. There's still a bit of civilization out there, like the sound of a lawnmower, or you know, perhaps a, a voice or two. There's a fisherman off to our left. You might hear his reel spinning. Um, but mostly, I'd be submerged in, in the pace of, 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 of nature at its own pace. And it can happen, uh, for me, when that happens, it's most often when I'm actually at a, giving a reading of the poem. And uh, it takes everything for me to, to stop and show my surprise to the, to the audience at that moment, when I go, oh my god, that's, that's what I meant when I wrote that, you know? Absolutely, definitely. And there's a lot coming out of your, you know, through your subconscious, really. Um, that you that you you trust you you, you put a f faith in it because because it feels right. So you don't necessarily have to know that it's right. So we're not looking for sort of Cartesian certainty or anything when we're writing a poem, you know. Otherwise, we'd, we'd be all scientists. about the subject matter, whatever it is you're writing about. So even if you're not directly aware of it, um, you're tapping into to, um, to feelings uh, that you maybe haven't visited or, or even um, necessarily um, uh, resolved, you know. Um, but, but that's not the purpose uh, for me for writing. I think for some people, they, they write specifically for that reason. But, but no, I, I write purely out of a sense of... Uh, of uh, curiosity, mostly. You know, I, I'm eager to discover more about something. I know that there are layers beneath everything that I haven't reached, that I haven't, that I haven't gotten to, tapped into. So that's kind of what drives me. And then, I suppose, in the process of that, I would um, I would uncover feelings, you know, as if I were in a, a probably a therapy session of some sort. No, I don't think it can be taught. I I think, and I and I, I teach poetry. Um, so I don't really teach poetry. All I do is show what's possible in poetry. And that's all that can be done. I mean, um, I'm not sure. I think half 
what we think can be taught can't really be taught but, but only shown and then either a person has a real interest of their own in it um, or they don't um, and it's, it's mostly self-taught absolutely but um, one, one can show all the not shortcuts but um, certainly the mechanics you know and all the, all, a lot of different possibilities um, from, from the sound side of, of it, from the form side. Uh, there's so many aspects to poetry that one can, can, can uh, sort of gain tools for, for their poetry tool bag, so to speak. And so there's always something to learn um, from another poet or another poem, specifically, <coughs> mainly from reading poems. That's where you're going to learn the most. But um, you can get a lot of shortcuts from going to workshops, I think, you know. The performing of it can be either done by reading it from the page or uh, or uh, reading it you know off book so to speak and having learnt it by heart and this those are two very distinctive uh, forms of performance you know uh, I'm, I'm not really uh, up for the the term performance poet because performance is it's a very very wide term but um, Reading from the page, one is transmitting. One is transmitting what one has created already. But performing it, uh, off by heart, uh, is means that you've, you've taken it a step further and embodied the poem. You've actually, part of you has has become, has ingested the poem almost. You know, and the, and the poem is taking on a new life through you. If you can perform a poem without reading it off the page. You're, you're certainly going to be able to transmit more of the poem, more dimensions of the poem to the audience um, than if you're just literally staring at the words and reading them out. Because, uh, yes, um, it's going to help the audience gain the inflections, the nuances, and, and the intentions of the poet when they hear it from the poet's own voice. Um, but they won't necessarily uh, really get to, to get a strong sense of the heart of the poem as much as you would do if the poem is being uh, you know, directly performed without the page. promotes poetry um, in, in almost all of its facets. I mean, we, we have an annual program of readings of 50 evenings uh, uh, up in the Hayloft in, in the Long Valley, um, whereby we have guest poets every week, we have an open mic, we have a poetry writing challenge every week for people to, in 15 minutes, they, they get to write their own piece and maybe win a pint if they, if they get... Uh, <laughs> the strongest audience response, and um, poetry films. You know, uh, we run a big poetry film competition every year, an international one, and so we have an hour of poetry films preceding every event as well. And then we have the Winter Warmer Poetry Festival at the end of November. It's kind of the jewel in the crown of the of the program. Um, we run the Unfinished Book Project for schools, so we take five schools every year and put a poet into each school 
for, for nine different sessions, and then we, we publish a book which gets launched at the World Book Festival for, for, for transition year students. Uh, we, we publish the Five Words anthology every year as well from the Five Words International Poetry Competition. Um, and I've just, just uh, been given um, the go-ahead uh, for an Erasmus Plus grant uh, from Europe um, because I've linked up with, with poetry festivals in four other European countries. So uh, we'll be doing some outreach work over the, over the next couple of years. I just think um, maybe they've, uh, like other artists, I suppose, they've maybe um, just taken a chance, maybe. Uh, Armagen, the, 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 the first poet that, um, he wasn't the first poet, but he's the first poet of renown in, in our, from our mythology. Um, one of the sons of Mill who, who arrived in, in, uh, in, in what is now Kerry uh, some two or three thousand years ago. He said that every second person is a poet, and perhaps every second person is a poet, you know. Kavanagh said we had a standing army of 10,000 poets in Ireland, you know. And I, I reckon we've got about a thousand and a half good ones, is what I'd say, and we've got about, got about 10,000 people giving it a go, I'd say that's for sure. Um, and to be, to be a poet, really, you kind of need to have a passion for it. I think potentially... Um, we could have a lot more poets, and the reason we don't have that many is because it's been downplayed as an art form for so long, and also because um, the seventh art, film, has taken over, you know, greatly, so we've become more of a visually oriented public, consumer public. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's just beneath uh, the skin, it's, you know, poetry, it's, it, it transmits and it deals with aspects of the human heart and experience that other art forms find find very difficult to, to get to. So um, I think if you just feed it a little bit, it'll, it'll go a long way. Well, I was responding to, to the brief, really, which was to, uh, to write to a soundscape um, that, that, that interested me. And um, I spent a lot of time up and down the Lee throughout the year. I, I travel around the country, but I love the sounds of water. Uh, I love the sea, too. I love, I love a lot of different um, uh, soundscapes, as it were. But, um, this one being very close to where I live, and one that has very diff a lot of different aspects to it. I thought I would, I, w I would start by coming upriver where there are less human sounds, then coming uh, for the second part closer to where the two worlds are intermingling a bit more, and then right into the heart of the city where, um, where life uh, almost um, is oblivious to to the existence of the river, you know, and actually Cork City is almost the entire city is is on top of a river most of the city streets were canals at one point channels for ships to come in um, so yeah so I, I, I kind of went from the nature towards the city and, uh, and allowed the, the narrative to evolve that way <laughs>
This is Paul Tracy, reading for Reverberations. This poem is called River, part one. Humming, strumming downriver on the city-bound waters, unheard and faint sounds drift along the bandwidth of time and place radio. Each note away into the mystery, a scanning, a tuning into the source, to stream into the artery, through any open frequency along the endless melody to enter somewhere in the cycle of water. World blood always holds time for river you, radio you, as the sounds of past and present worlds pass by, absorbed all, free all of any care for future. Listen for the artful traces, memory vibrations of countless beings and their tributaries mountain path or city street is tributary. Sea or clouds are afterlife or beginning for river to sing its music of all voices, the first and last music. As the water, the same water and birds and wind that taught us song and speech and dream from the rivers of living and lost memory, is this falling water, cascading water, Failing and triumphant water, crashing, swirling, flooding, deflected water, inflected and silent water, water beneath, above, surrounding, and waters fulfilling, so too are thunders and rainstorms of people, summer rivers in flood, or a tumbling, a turning, a drop of humanity, a fleck, a speck of rain arriving and gone, clouds of silenced voices, in bare cirrus frisks or thundery cumulus, from lightning to fire that displaces water as water fire, and they exchange voices. Know you are water and fire. Even water must rest, and water never rests. Time to challenge and channel time's own form as immortal Olympian. But river pays no heed to time. Its only passion is aqualanguage. Effervescences, flushes, flashes, gushes, wishes, ickers, and efflorescences, bubbles, babbles, warbles, and burbles, gargles, gurgles, and pearls, swirls, and swishes, splashes, dribble drops, and dashes, clips, plops, and dot dot dots, flick flack flecks, pitter patter, squirt, and spatter, lap, and hiss, and all that matters to rivers' neighbors, silt, sand, stones, roots, and reeds marshes, banks, grasses, weeds, loam, weirs, bridges, and trees, these rhythms of river know by gulls and crows and ducks and swans, herons, egrets, and a thousand smaller beings by wind and distant machineries, from fishing reels to insects and engines, river lifts its million voices. River forgets it is river. River forgets its mastery of water language, its multilingualism of water, around, upon rocks and stones, more sounds than city streets. River now appears as illusion of calm above the frenzy below. River as swan is river. River as swan is human as river. River weeds sway daydreams as daydreamers sway at bus stops. At the end of day, where bouquets of foxgloves eye-catching, flashy as chic shop-store windows. Listen for the voices of river exposed in the shallows, where its million penumbrate 
moiré fringe conversations are turned skyward, overlapping within earshot, buffeted by the susurrus in the sycamores, the lime and ash trees, and their mild panics, a trickle in calm spaces between rocks where these waters slow to still, then drain back toward the center of life in horizontal gravitation. Its inner space inertia regained, re-enters the core current of life's voltage, flowing with the calm urgency of an ageless mystic as more sounds still beneath the surface, hidden musics, hydromancies that humble the salmon and sea trout who in their own dreams deliquesce as do we in the river of rivers. Two. Where the river splits, streams of digital thought syncopate into new forms, spilling in through eyes and ears every hour, minute, second. Rivers of news, rivers of old stories, a river of displacement. Rivers of refugees, of exclusionary rents, rivers of obsolete promises and guarantees, rivers of reversal and opposition, of silent revolution, rivers of helplessness, flooding into rivers of common sense, rivers of homelessness, voluntary rivers pouring into involuntary rivers of charity and activism, the rerouted river sisters of pain, memory, and courage, Bird life sings alongside each and every river. Insect life sings. Human lives sing and forget they can sing. Rivers giving and taking life. Too many rivers, not enough rivers. All tributaries of the river of rivers. Just enough river. With sea as the afterlife of all rivers of pollution, Sky is the conception of all rivers of neutrality, clouds raining rivers of imagination. Rain is the first breath of all rivers of uncertainty, a fire age, an ice age, a poisoned age. Water stirs and pulses at the heart of the river of adaptation, river of worry, river of stress, river of persistent anxiety, river of not knowing of resignation, of despair, of bittersweet confusion and conflicting information, river of ever-changing forms, river of mortal light behind the eyes of mortal breath, conflation and conflagration of rivers where all musics meet and cacophony their rivers into flame, rivers of discordant orchestras and dissolving dissonance, an ambulance the base Doppler of a low-flying great cormorant and the flourish of interspecial responses, the gush of weir and rush-hush of distant traffic, solitary bird call is punctuation, small dog sound, a person somewhere, two or three talking, sounds of numerous rivers arise and recede and connect, oblivious, integrate, into endless new rivers of sound where all worlds touch fingertips, where fingertips of sound touch human sounds, bees for a moment, a child's high-pitched question mark, river me, river you, rivers of if and only. Three, along the South Channel, inner city Lee, 
river of our days passing, rivers of our time, river of survival and diversity, of clever gulls and tame and entertaining crows with magic tricks, river of beaks and feathered beggars, river of homeless species, river of primal competition, river of evolved competition devolving, river of unnatural order, river of illegal dumping of discarded dreams, river of disparity and adversity, river of selective hearing and of brevity, river of artists, river of tourists and lifestyles, river of seasons, river of heartaches and heartbreaks, of heartbeats and healing hearts, river of constructions, destructions, rivers and rivers of deception, of moral erasure, river of goodwill, of primordial beckoning and reckoning, river of small blessings and river of brief silences, river of reminding and rewinding aspirations, river of respite, river of goodbyes, river of renewal, river of new beginnings, of moving on, of release toward the river of rivers. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Reverberations. Produced by Alan Meany. Episode 4. Paul Casey.